Well, we got the audition season for WGI right around the corner. Or it's upon us now, I guess. It feels like it starts earlier and earlier every this year. Like that, this is like that limbo period for, for drumming. It's similar to when the college basketball season ends. There's like no sports anyone cares about because it's like the beginning of the season or middle season baseball. But nobody, nobody watches Major League Baseball until the playoffs anyway. Yeah. Unless you're like a diehard fan and just go to a random game. We're in that limbo period. This is like that equivalent until college football starts back up or, in our case, WGI. Yeah, audition season is here. Yeah, people posting the packets, posting the dates. We just talked a few minutes ago. It seems like it happens quicker and quicker. There were some groups that like posted their audition material like while drum corps was still going. <laughs> yeah, I saw the Broken City packet go up in July. Yeah. Pretty sure when I was doing indoor, auditions never happened until about the beginning of beginning of November, end of October. I remember when we were at Moorhead, like we went up to audition for Rhythm X, it being like right around the time that Moorhead had their annual high school band contest in mm-hmm. like mid to late October. Yep. And now it's like early September and there's groups that are like have auditions like next week. <laughs> Is it too early? Eh, I don't okay. know. I mean, you can really see who's going to prepare, I guess. Like if it happens real quick, boom, boom, right after DCI season, it's like, and... I guess if you're hoping to get good people, then maybe they'll come audition for you instead of going somewhere else. But also, I guess, if maybe you're a lower group and people have their sights set on maybe somebody that's better than you, like in a world class and you're an open class, then they may be holding out and going to those world class auditions and they don't have a chance to come audition for you because you've already had your auditions. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So if I was a lower group, I would feel like I would wait longer, personally, because I would want to get some of those people yeah, who the, get cut it's from the trickle, like... It's the trickle-down effect, just like it happens in DCI. Yeah. People go to groups like the top six groups, and a lot, not everybody makes it, obviously. And then they all trickle down to the lower lower cores. There will be people January, February. who get cut from RhythmX, Mystique, uh, Matrix, those places that are good enough to march in good open lines they just weren't good enough to make the world line yet which is fine yep um which is kind of i guess leads into like audition like what do you do for auditions like where do you go who do you go for that sort of thing this could be a tricky process yeah definitely well before we go any further uh this is the aged out podcast episode seven if you hadn't figured that out yet i'm one of your hosts mike fantini and sitting next to me as always is evan Worrell. So, there's a risk of burnout. Because at least for me, in every competitive marching season I was a part of, by the end of that season, whether it was drum corps, high school marching band, college marching band, indoor drum line, I was burnt out. I was, I was ready to be done with that show, that show music, like, every time. Like, some, a lot of people were like, oh, I just want to do this show one more time. Like, nope. Every finals I performed, whatever venue it was in, last football game, UD Arena, Lucas Oil, I, I walked off the field and I was like, all right, I'm done with that. I'm ready to go. Yep. Next thing, please. Like, I've always been ready. And the earlier and earlier you start the season, like, if, if auditions are in October, that's already a six-month season, basically. Mm-hmm. Now, groups aren't rehearsing every weekend starting, well, actually, some of them did starting in October. Like, they have two audition weekends in a row or, like, an audition weekend, week off for kids to have two weeks to, like work on the things and the comments they were given in the audition camp, bring them back. And then a lot of groups, I'm pretty sure, just start start rehearsal. 
We did our last year, I remember, because we did. But uh, that was basic. We did the that basic. Was, thing. That was the circ- yeah. uh, special circumstance. Yeah. That was something that, and I was super burnt out by the end of that season. <laughs> we started so early. Like it was right around September because we had to do PASIC in November, so we had to rehearse for a while first before we got to that. But I think that could be something that, which is, is another a, good point too. Like maybe some people, if you have auditions real early, some people are like on the fence of whether they want to march indoor or not because they just got done marching summer this or summer that or blah 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 high school band or drum corps whatever the case may be, and they just finished up, and they're like, man, I just want to take a break. Yeah, it's not removed enough. Yeah, there's not enough of a, a come down periods. Like, you get to this climax in DCI if you marched, and you get like what three weeks to just be a normal, normal person and have some weekends. Yeah, and then boom, you're right back into it if you want to march indoor. I think it's too early, but they gotta. I guess everybody's the the competitive nature. The quicker you can get audition, the quicker you can set your line. The quicker you can start cleaning. The quicker I guess. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's a it's I a fine line. It. Yeah. I get it, but you can go too far. Yeah, but I'm the person that thinks every drum corps should take a day off every week during tour, <laughs> just to let the members' brains recalibrate and like soak ha- have things soak in. Maybe let your body rest for a day. I think you'd get more efficient product production out of your members if you gave. I know BD does that during move-ins. I think that they proved that that works too. Yeah, you work smarter over harder. The human body has to have downtime the brain and the body does yeah like come on well we won't get too much on that yeah. track because I, mean, right. I think we've beaten that one yeah we've but... beaten that horse plenty t- plenty of times so i think to the goal of today is we're gonna just give some advice just things we've picked up about auditioning for groups for those people that listen to this who are going to be auditioning here pretty soon like we said there's a group um in louisville or right around it that is having their first audition next weekend, like September 9th and 10th. Mm-hmm. So for those of you that might need some advice, we're going to kind of give tidbits about what we picked up throughout the whole process, having been teachers and members. Uh, we're gonna, we've got some funny stories. Yeah, some funny audition stories. I've seen some really crazy things and hilarious mm-hmm. things at audition stuff. So we're going to get into that, that, those things, and and we'll just go from there and see where it takes us. So if you had to give... A piece of advice to somebody who's who's auditioning for a world group for the first time or a big group, what would it be? The best piece of advice. Don't be afraid to go drum with the people who have been in the group before. Like if you find a vet, like if you're going to audition for snare drum and you're a new hopeful member, just go drum with those dudes because you're either going to, it's going to go one of two ways. Like they're going to realize that you're good enough, like kind of open their eyes. Cause a lot of the members have a lot of say on who gets into the group. Mm-hmm. Um, the staff always asks that. So go drum with those dudes. If you're good enough to make the line, which you either are or you aren't, that's just the way it is. Then they'll see that you're good enough. Like, Oh, this dude's drumming with us. He asks like, Hey, you mind if I come drum with you guys? It shows initiative. Like you're not cowering away from the moment, uh, or being too intimidated by it, which is a big thing. You're being dwarf. Or you're just not going to be good enough, which if you're not good enough, you're not good enough. And at the end of the day, you still got the drum with those dudes and you probably got better. Yep. And at the same time, along that same vein, don't try too hard. And I don't mean from a playing sense. I mean from a don't try and try and shove yourself into their world too much 
when they're like hanging out on breaks and stuff. Yeah. Because I've known people like and heard stories. I've seen people shoot themselves in the foot by just trying too hard to fit in basically and coming off as annoying or maybe annoying is the wrong word. Just it's off putting. Yeah. When you have someone who's just trying to be the, be super funny on purpose and just try to trying trying really hard to make you like them. Mm hmm. Because you've been in the group before or you already know you're going to be in this group because it's been like your third year or whatever. Don't try too hard. Drum with them, but do not. I would say don't try to interject yourself into their social lifestyle. Like when I was that's there. A good, that's a good way to put it. Like drum with them. Like, like, hey, I want to drum with you. Do this. Do the audition stuff. But like on breaks when they're like hanging out, cutting up, it's those guys time to like kind of see each other again. Mm -hmm. uh, and like hang out like they go eat lunch you don't have to like follow people around and eat lunch with them and eat dinner with them just drum with them that's all you gotta do yep that is a, a big mistake i see people make a lot because you can i've known of people that have been good enough to make a line they're auditioning for but get cut because the vets are like he's kind of weird he's kind of rubbing us the wrong kinda, way exactly yeah just just do your thing play as well as you can don't don't overdo it from the social side of things for sure and i always felt like too i guess another piece of advice like everybody has these crazy packets and stuff and like people have these complex exercises that are real elaborate and real long but i feel like a lot of times too people forget to just do the basic things leading up to auditions like they they learn the exercises and that it that's it but i always made sure that whatever the packet had, I just did like my normal routine to keep like my chops up. Like I would play just basic eights and double beat and accent tap and stuff because I wanted to keep my chops up because a lot of times in those auditions for those groups, they'll just throw curveballs at you. Like I would learn as many different types of grids as I could because I remember in a couple auditions, they're like, all right, we're going to do this grid. And if you just haven't done it in a while, you may just be rusty at it. Yep. And if they pull that out of the, the bag of tricks, someone like, hey, we're going to do this, and you're not ready for it, it'd be like, uh-oh, like, I hope I don't suck at this. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, most groups, or probably every group, they really don't care what crazy hard licks you know how to play. They care whether you are a fundamentally sound drummer. Because if you are a fundamentally sound drummer, you can learn any music they put in front of you. Yeah. You know, like, if your fundamentals are there, your accent tap, your double beat, your triplet rolls, like you'll be able to play whatever music given the time to learn it they put in front of you. Yeah, they might test your mental capacity to learn a change on the fly by throwing curveballs at you, which is valid. It's happened at every audition I've ever been at. But at the end of the day, I have never seen or heard of, and I'm sure it might have happened because I haven't been everywhere. I'm not all-knowing. Somebody get cut who is a phenomenal, fundamental drummer, but they couldn't, they couldn't, they didn't, they weren't as good at some etude that's like a minute and a half long for the audition. Yeah. If you can drum, you can drum. That's the bottom line. So what you screwed up on, you broke a few times playing the etude. If I'm running an audition, I'm not really going to care about that that much because you play triplet roles really well and you know how to balance with the person standing next to you and your accent tap is really, your hands are really relaxed when you're playing accent tap and it just the sound is consistent. Like that's what I care about. At least personally. I think in most of the Rhythm X auditions that I had, we dipped outside the box of the exercise packet most of the time. Like, we'd just be like, all right, let's play this. 
All right, now let's play this. Now yeah. let's check out this exercise. I remember my first year auditioning there, we started doing, we just gridded a bunch of different stuff like flam drags. And we do flam drag on one, uh, putting the flam on the second partial, third partial. Was that when Dan Twyford was the old man? And yeah, and there were people that were there <laughs> and they were auditioning and they had never, they'd never even done that. They're like, what? Move the, move the flam around? Like, what? And like, yeah, that was something that I was brought up doing yeah, from a young too, age. Fortunately. We were taught from similar people. Yeah. And I remember getting to audition camps and even staff members, like techs, we were like, I was gritting on a break and I just did flam drags and then moved the moved everything over a partial for flam drags on two and then did three. And then like by the time I got past one to two, they were like, even the techs were like, what are you doing? Yeah. I don't know what that is. I was like, wait. I remember in that audition we were... And thinking, nobody auditioning knew what it was. That's funny. We were doing... Uh, so this, is, I guess, will be kind of our first funny audition story. But in 2010, my first year at Rhythm X, uh, my first year auditioning and making it, I was standing next to Dan Twyford, who is just an outstanding human being. So fun. I'm glad I stood next to him. But we were doing like uh, Flam 5 on 3 or something, like starting on the diddle uh-huh. and putting the, the cheese or the... Uh, the flam diddle on the third partial <laughs> and uh we were going pretty fast too and i remember him saying he's like oh yeah i'm leaving those uh those flams out for posterity reasons <laughs> just because <laughs> i couldn't do it there's nothing i was just cracking up i was like what <laughs> couldn't do it oh, i mean man. at the end of the day i'm sure he sounded fine without the flam yeah i mean if you're playing good diddles it's fine but no that was like that would have that was going to be his what second that, year in the that's his second year oh, yeah. he only did two years didn't he yeah Huh. But it was funny. And then, uh, oh man, there's so many funny stories. The first group I ever auditioned for, I, I didn't even do, is West Athens Idol. That was in 2006. I, they don't exist anymore, but they were just coming out. They didn't exist was, at the time when they did exist. Yeah. I think they were in Independent A or something. And I was like a junior in high school, but they had like one of those crazy exercise packets or something like that. I remember they had this shopping spree. It was like two and a half pages long. And I was just like, it just had everything you could possibly fit in there. But I just like could not play any of it. My individual audition for that was so bad. I tried to play it way too fast. That'd be another audition tip. Don't play too fast. Yes, <laughs> play it at the speed uh, you can play it as well as you can at. But I played that. I tried to play that shopping spree just too fast. In the beginning of it's fine. It's just like basic things like flam drags and stuff. But when you get to the end of it, there's like a lot of inverts and like hand to hand flams. And I was just completely chowing it and like I couldn't play that fast and. Uh, don't do bad. too much, man. Yeah, don't, don't try do too, too much. much. Just try to play good. <laughs> play well. You, you brought up that... Uh, yeah, we are in Kentucky. I can read good. Uh, you brought up that uh, a crazy audition packet. I've been deterred from going to an audition for a group because their packet was so ridiculous. You're just like, I don't want to learn this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I printed it off and it was like super thick and I was just looking at every exercise being like two pages long and overly complicated and I was like, uh, I'm not going to say what group it was, but... I was just like, I'm not going to learn this. So I went somewhere else and worked out great. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, just groups are getting ridiculous with that stuff. And there's no time to work on exercises. Like, we talk about that some no. in DCI. Like, these people have to work on these exercises, these long packets, these elaborate warm-ups. But, like, in indoor, there's no time to work on that there's stuff. There's even less time. I don't even remember our last season at Rhythm X playing we didn't. half None I, of them. I think we played None of them. eight on a hand, eights, rolls, and triple B, and that was it. That's all the exercises we had. Yeah, and we, we, made, we made up a molar exercise. <laughs> but 
that Josh Ricky did not appreciate. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. And then I'm pretty sure Tim Jackson just put molar notes at the end of our show to spite Josh. <laughs> to justify us playing a molar exercise. Yep. He's like, you guys don't play molar. And then Tim put it in the show. We're like, ah, we play this now. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah. Good times. Um, Second group I ever auditioned for would have been Tate's Creek Indoor. That was when they were in open class. I was a senior in high school. Um, and that was pretty easy. That was a pretty simple audition because the guy who was like the battery caption head, Justin Fisher, was also the tech at our high school. So we had a pretty good understanding of what things were going to be like. Your audition and, was all of your high school seasons. Yeah, it's like he watched this all season, so he knew what we could do. Um, and that worked out well. It was fun. It was like a great introduction. Going back and watching that show, though, was like pretty comical. I mean, because the evolution of indoor shows has been pretty drastic from indoor's inception like what it started out in the late 90s. But even then, that, that show in 2007, it was just so basic. Like We didn't do body movement. We didn't do all this. We just marched around and played. Like There was no indoor, I guess, esque type of approach to it. We just, we just marched in time, and then we played notes. <laughs> and that was it. The old bread and butter. The old bread and butter. Mm-hmm. I, have a, I have an audition horror story, actually. Oh, go for it. I mean, it's, it's not really anything that happened during the audition it's more of the setting of the audition okay so if anyone's ever auditioned if anybody had ever auditioned for the glassman before they folded g west yeah me too is the name of an old old condemned mind you school building i think they tore it down now that wouldn't surprise me it probably wasn't safe to be in uh an old condemned schoolhouse in where were they out of toledo toledo thank you toledo ohio and obviously, that's northern Ohio, so it's extremely cold in the winter during like the December camp, January camp, whatever. And I made it through the audition process all the way to the last round of cuts in January for the 2009 summer. The heat was broken in the dead of winter in an old school building. With almost zero insulation. With, There's like broken windows. Yes, with no insulation. <laughs> so basically, you're outside. And it was snowing a ton. Well below zero degrees. So, like, not only were you trying to drum, but you were trying not to freeze to death. I remember one of, one of the nights overnight, we had a, like, you have your sleeping bag and your air mattress, all that crap. I woke up in the middle of the night, and if it wasn't the part of my sleeping bag where I was laying and my body heat kept warm, it was like, an, it was, it was like in a freezer. Yeah. It was like I was laying on, like, frozen meat. It was terrible. And the showers were... Also all cold, because the water heater was also not working. That building turned me away from marching Glassman, because I think I would have made it for the summer of 2007, but I just remember one camp. We went to G-West for uh, a camp, and they didn't have water. The water wasn't working. And it was like, it wasn't freezing cold that weekend, but we were like brushing our teeth with like bottled water, because nothing else. Like, I couldn't take a shower all weekend. I was like, I don't want to spend a whole month here doing move-ins. This yeah, sounds they, terrible. They do spring training there. Now, granted, it's not frigid cold, but it's really hot outside when that happens. So it's almost the polar opposite of awful. Um, yeah, that was probably the worst audition experience. I mean, the, the audition part of it was fine. But, like, everything wrapped around the audition experience was just miserable. Not good. Yeah. That's yeah, that's the worst. That's probably my worst audition experience too. Just not even from a playing standpoint, but just like being there. There were actually I'm trying to think, there were a lot of people that you marched with at that Glassman audition process that year. I'm pretty sure Yeah, like half Jackson the Landry 
I'm pretty sure Jackson Landry, if anyone, you know, obviously you marked yeah. him. He's a Michigan guy. Him and I, I think, were the last two cuts for that snare line in 09. Uh, I know everybody says that, but I went ended up going to school with the snare tech, so I kind of figured that out for sure. Jackson and I were the last cuts there. I think Tony Felder was at that audition camp. <laughs> Probably. All those red line guys, I think, were all auditioning for Glassman that, that season. Well, it's right near them in Michigan. Yeah, it makes sense. But let's see here, auditions, 2010, Rhythm X. That was stressful. That was a stressful audition. I could see how that would be the case. I, I didn't even plan on going that year. I just got off tour with Crown. I guess I was just planning on going back to Tate's Creek for my fourth year at that point. I think you made the right choice. <laughs> but my friend Dean, one of my good friends, he had marched in the quad line in 2009. And he went to Moorhead with us. And at that point, he had moved back home to Columbus. But he's like, dude, you should just come check it out. And then actually another guy who was auditioning for snare drum told me I should go too. Um, he was like, yeah, man, just come. We'll go. It'll be great. Blah, blah, blah. I know a lot of people there. Like, I knew Ted already, and I knew... Lead Teeth. Yeah, I knew Ted Leith, and then I knew Ben Thompson, and then a couple other people who were going up from Kentucky. So I went to check it out, and it's just super stressful. Like, I'd never done anything like that. Like, even my drum corps auditions were not that stressful, just because you, like, see these people, and they're almost, like, superstars, like Tim Jackson. Like, he's still really well-known, but at that time, he was just still, like, the I and E champion tenor god. Yeah, of that was the drumming world. Still um, in his heyday. Yeah, and so I was just like, man, this is like Tim Jackson and like Tim Fairbanks and like these dudes like have their own sticks <laughs> and stuff that I'm auditioning for, uh, and it was just super stressful. I think the audition room for me was Tim Jackson, Tim Fairbanks, and I think also Josh was in there. So it was like three people. Uh, I only had. I think Tim Fairbanks was the no. It was Tim Fairbanks and Tim Jackson in 2011 that did my individual. Tim Fairbanks is so funny because he's just so blunt. He's just, oh, yeah. He'll just be like, that was bad. Yep. Or something, or yep. try again. <laughs> we, I think uh, we, need to tell, we need to tell this story okay. about the funniest... I know where you're going. ...funniest individual audition story I've ever heard. And it happened... Do you know what year at Rhythm X it happened? I want to say it was for 2009, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, so we're not going to name any names who it was. We know who it was, but we're not going to say who it was no, or no, it, give any indicator of who this person was. No, but no, I won't elaborate on any nicknames or anything. But it's it's awesome. This person uh, went in for their audition, their individual audition, because Rhythm X is similar to Jump Corps. Like they give you an individual audition, and they also evaluate what, how you play in the group. But this person went in for their individual audition, and it can be a very nerve wracking time. Like yes. you're playing in front of these. These big name people, you really want to make it. There's a lot of pressure, and I'm pretty sure this this was one of the first big auditions this this kid had been to. Yeah, and I think he was kind of young. I think he was still in high school he or something, was young. Like late high school possibly. This person went on to become a great snare drummer, march drum corps, march high indoor groups. Uh, yeah. But at this point in his career, had not really done a lot of things. So he's he's pretty green. He's very young. He's like one of those kind of high school kids that just goes with the aspirations of doing this, but Probably at that point doesn't have a chance. So goes in to his uh, individual audition and he's nervous. The the tech was telling Mike and I, he's like, you can tell he's very nervous, like kind of sweaty palms, handshaking type thing, like shaky voice, shaky voice, yeah. And they're pretty chill. They they do a good job of just being like, hey, relax, just 
take a minute, collect yourself, mm-hmm. uh, catch your breath. Just whenever you're ready, just go for it. So this this kid brings his hands up to start playing and just just freezes. And and Josh is like, his hands are visibly shaking at this point. Like his hands and arms are visibly shaking, and he he notices. The kid starts to sweat. Yeah, like perspiration. Like beads. It's not just like. A little shiny in the face, like beads of sweat rolling down the side of his face. And so uh, they say to him, "Hey, hey, man, just just relax for a second, take, take a breath, a, take a deep breath, you know, yeah, let your hands down, uh, and then just whenever, whenever you're ready, just no, no pressure, man, just do, just do your thing, uh, just do as best you can, basically, just kind of trying to pep talk him. So he goes to to drum again, brings his hand set, nothing, nothing happens." And I can't remember how many times exactly he said that this process, like they tried to tell him, like, just relax, man, just relax. But at least three or four. He said the only volume of sound produced during that individual audition was like a single bead of sweat that fell from this kid's face and landed on the drum. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how do you, keep, as, as, as a staff member, oh, how do you keep a straight face? Because you feel bad for someone that's happening to you. Yeah. Nerves are a real thing. Yeah. He was in high school, like performance a anxiety. Scene. Like that's a thing. Like, how do you keep yourself from like? I don't want to say. I mean, bottom line, laughing. Yeah, like just losing it. You have to have kudos to them for the self control to like. And I mean, not Josh, indirectly be an asshole. When Josh told this story, he wasn't like making fun. He was just like, man, he wasn't making fun of this person. He was just like, yeah, that's probably like the biggest like audition story that just sticks out in my mind. Like of somebody that just was not ready or not mentally prepared for that moment. And I guess what they ended up doing was just telling this person like, Hey, we'll just, Hey, it's all right. Don't worry about it. We'll come back to you. Just step out right now and we'll have you come back in and do it later when you feel a little bit more settled down or whatever. I don't think they ended up ever having to come back in. I don't in. think they did either. Uh, I mean, cause at that point, he's not ready like that. You don't want to put him through yeah. that again. Like he obviously just lost his composure. Yeah, but that's probably like the number one audition story that anytime somebody like starts talking about like auditions or funny or just crazy or just like, hey, check this out, listen to this one. That's that's the one that stands out. And I feel bad, but yeah. This that story reminds me of another little little tidbit about auditioning. Don't be too stubborn. And what I mean by that is, if you're not quite at the level, like if you're younger, whatever. It's cool to go to a big group's audition because especially nowadays, more so than before, they treat them as clinics. Yeah. Like educational clinics more than just, let's see who doesn't suck. You know what I mean? And so you can learn a lot, but at the same time, like I've also known people waste two, three years of their eligibility continuously going to these top groups with no experience on the resume yet. Yeah. Very few people get to start at the top or, or close to the top. I didn't in indoor. I marched three years of open class. I didn't. I marched a year of open class too. And then they just continuously waste year after year. And the staff is telling them like, go get drum corps experience for indoor or go to a lower drum corps before you come back here. Like don't just go to blue coats every single year and just, just expect. Just go to rhythm X every year. Yeah. Like, like if you go and you don't make it, okay. Hmm. Especially if they tell you to go get some experience somewhere else. Don't be too proud to go march like troopers, Colts, um, or like an open class indoor group would be an example of in that area. Yeah. Because then you're going to get that year of experience 
and use it as a stepping stone to get you to where you want to go. And you'll have fun and you'll get better. Exactly. Like a lot of these open groups that are around us here, they're pretty good. Yeah. They, they play well. They have usually have people teaching there that have marched an upper level group. Yep. So they'll teach you how to play like these groups that you want to be in. Yeah. Don't be too proud. Yeah. Do not be too proud. For sure. Pride is a, is a dangerous thing. You can't get better until you're honest with yourself about how good you actually are or what you actually do know and don't know about something. So, I don't remember much, I guess, yeah, segueing back off that into like auditions. I don't remember too much about the 2011 audition from like, like a playing aspect. Like to me, it, obviously that was your first year, the audition for Rhythm X. But for me, like as a returning person, the only returning snare person, my audition was basically just try to get people come audition like that's all i was worried about i didn't care about playing i didn't try to learn a bunch of the exercises like blah 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 i was just like i got all tour and like leading up to that i was like i just got to find people to fill the spots around we me. were scrounging that first camp i think there were five of the five of the nine that ended up in that snare line only it was that first me. camp the first camp it was me you tom tom dan poulter was there was dan- he Dan Poulter, I think, was at the first one, and maybe like Zach. Zach, I don't. Was Joe there? Woody? I don't know if Joe Woody was at the first camp that season. Uh, there was like four or five of us. Basically, four or five even, of the nine. Even after the first camp weekend, we Evan was still like calling people. Josh was, and just because we just they just wanted more talent. Yeah, I mean, you want it to be as you want it to be the best that you can possibly. You want to try to put together a group of people that will help you try to win. Yeah. Um, and it was like that for the a couple of the other sections too. Like the bases were set. They were that baseline was yeah, they were nasty. But um the quads and the front ensemble, they were doing the same thing, just trying to find people that you knew had experience that were really, really, really solid, great players to throw them in. And so I remember Tom came from because he had marched United and he kinda had that connection to like the East Coast, and sort of like, hey man, you uh, got any friends? You got any friends? Like, bring out. And he's like, oh yeah. He's like, yeah, I'll talk to these dudes. And so he had talked to Dan, Shaq, and Travis Peterman, who had marched uh, like Cavaliers and Blue Stars, Blue Stars and marched United indoor and stuff. And United hadn't had their audition yet, their second audition at least. And so they were like, he was like, dude, come to X because we had our second audition before they did. And so. They came and auditioned at X, and we contracted them right away. We're like, yeah, you're in. Like, you guys are good. We set the whole snare line at that, that, that second, second camp. camp. Yeah, and then Matt Black came because uh, he wasn't at the first audition camp, I don't think, he, either. No, he video auditioned. Yeah, because he, yeah, he sent in a video audition for the first one because he had some conflict and then came to the second one. But that was, like, my audition experience that year was just trying to recruit people. <laughs> And Josh trying to recruit people. It's yeah, okay. This 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 leads me to a good place here. This just transitions well into being a vet at an audition is and I've only experienced it once. Because I only did Blue Stars one year, Blue Coats one year, Tate's Creek one year, and X was the only group I was in more than once. Is completely different than being a new member coming to a camp. Yeah. And just I mean, if you mess up, you almost laugh at it. And I know that's kind of crappy to say, but I want to go into the the audition, the first audition thing. First thing we did at X Auditions in 2012. And so seven of the 
nine snare drummers from 11 came, came back, back to 12. So we had seven snare vets. It was like the complete opposite from 11 to 12. Like we had in 11, it was just me. And then in 12, it was all seven of Except us. The only two that didn't come back were the two that aged out. The two that aged out. Everybody that could come back came back. And it was it's a rare thing to have that happen. We were fortunate. But the first thing, and I think the staff did this knowing there were only a couple snare drum spots. And they kind of knew of a few guys that were coming already that were going to be the lead candidates for those couple spots. But they did like an American Idol style audition. Like yeah. nobody had warmed up. <laughs> nobody had been in individual practice, practice like bass room, tenor room, snare room. They just put like the second bass drum on a stand on this auditorium stage at the school. A snare drum on a stand and a set of tenors on a stand. And they didn't make you, and thankfully they didn't do this. I know, I've heard stories in, for 09's audition, they made them play like the whole audition packet. Or like complete exercises, they would just tell them on the spot, like, all right, play this. In front of everyone auditioning for the ensemble. So everyone you're competing against is sitting there in the auditorium. And you have to, one at a time, go up on stage in front of all the staff sitting in the front row. Every drum tech, all the admin, everyone. And then everyone auditioning. So it's probably... I think the pit was not in there. Yeah, the front the front people were not drum, in there. The all, all the battery people. Yeah. And so... There was some funny, funny stuff that happened because nobody warmed up. Everyone's hands were cold. Everybody's super cold. I think they did that just to kill time. They're like, uh, they did. We just want to kill some time. And, and they wanted to also laugh. be hilarious. And it's not, it makes them sound a little bit of some dicks, but they kind of just wanted to see what would happen. <laughs> and as a vet, you kind of just were like, okay, whatever. We'll just do this and get this out of the way. Even if I screw up, I don't care. And because we knew it didn't matter for us, basically. But there's some. There were some really good ones. So what they had us play was a role. An open stroke roll, slow, fast, slow. Yeah. So you had to speed up and then slow down again as well or as fast or as slow as you wanted. I remember my mindset was just like, don't play too fast. Don't try to play too fast. So you start off, you're doing your right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left. And then you slow back down and I was like, just don't, just don't try to do too much. Cause like, I just wanted to do it. I wanted to do what that was well like i didn't want to try to be the fastest person because you knew you didn't have to i knew i didn't have to all of us seven <laughs> should have known we didn't have to like i i probably tried to get too fast i didn't march drum corps that summer so i was like could they've cut a vet in the past so i was a little more concerned than everybody else but i i screwed it up <laughs> i got fast i sped up just fine and i got fast and my beads clicked <laughs> like at the edge of the drum i went out to the edge because for whatever reason because reasons and my beads clicked and I stopped and I just like looked for a second. Like I remember looking directly at Josh Bricky and like smiling and then just coming back in and slowing down. But da the worst one, the worst one was Dan Shack. Oh my gosh. He we love you, Dan. But you know this was hilarious. It was awesome. He had himself completely. Dan Shack, center snare for Cavaliers 2011, just got off tour. Winning a drum winning trophy. Winning a drum trophy. As the section leader. As the section leader and uh, amazing drum line gets up there starts playing his slow fast slow everything starts out all right yep whatever S starts speeding up goes out to the edge for whatever Again. reason like who knows gets out to the edge plays a couple notes on the rim because he's too far pushed out <laughs> and like then he tries to come back on the drum. I think he clicked his sticks together at some point too, and like stopped like, for a second and buzzes out the roll and then just like presses in, I heard a couple presses in there too. Then just start slowing back down. And we're all just like, we're just laughing out there. Like, oh, did this really just happen? 
Tom did his, like his was so well thought out. He just like did he, meter changes. Yeah, he didn't speed up. He just metrically modulated <laughs> to faster rhythms and Eight then notes, modulated back triplets, down. Sixteenths. Six triplets and then went back down. I was, like, it was like every well, four, every eight counts, he like changed the rhythm. That was smart. That, that's yeah, awesome. This is not what they asked you to do. <laughs> and it 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 was served no purpose either because no, you're not seeing how good or bad somebody is at drumming. Because some that of the cold, some of the best people who did it had no shot of making that Japanese it. kid. Yeah, the Japanese kid. The, oh. or what? I don't know if he's Japanese. He was like but, the fourth best role we heard all day. He got so fast, and just, then we were all just like cheering, like because it was so funny. We were like clapping. We're like, yeah, man. Great. And <laughs> no then, one knew who he was. Yeah, just some tall, skinny. I think he was Japanese. He was. He's I Asian. So. I don't know. I think he was Japanese. I don't remember. That sounds name. racist, but I just don't know what ethnicity yeah. or, <laughs> he was. But but he he was really good. Then there was somebody auditioning for bass drum. Again, we're not going to name oh, names here. Yes, I forgot about this. Did not did not get off on the right foot as they came up on stage. <laughs> I'll let you take this over because you tell it better. Than did I not get off on the right foot and did not get off on the right hands either. So obviously, if you're playing an open stroke roll, there's two notes on each hand, right, right, and then you start left, left. I believe you're right. That is that correct. is uh, that is correct. I don't um, think that's changed. But this person gets up to audition, and before, I mean, they're not even three notes into it, and so you play your first two rights. Uh-huh. You expect to hear a left. All of a sudden, this person almost put a disclaimer, <laughs> but almost called him out. This person plays three notes on the right hand. That's one too many. Uh, it's <laughs> just not a double stroke roll. Right, right, right. Stop. Like, there's ways to recover from that. Like, you could have just gone, because it was so slow, you could just go right, 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 left, right, right, yeah. left, left, and just come back in. Nope, the person just froze. The person's brain was not thinking that fast. They knew they had played the wrong thing. And, and at just this point, stood there. they knew they messed up. <laughs> it was at that moment. Yeah. They realized. I mean, it was a bass drummer, and, and nobody that wasn't the five guys they already knew who the bass line was was making that bass line. Yeah. But at the same time, that was pretty. That was a really funny one too that year. I'm convinced the staff just wanted to laugh. They just wanted to see what would happen. I mean, it is like a huge pressure thing. Like you see who's gonna fall under pressure. And Tim Jackson has done stuff like that before. I remember we had we learned like a little sample of body movement in 2011 during auditions, and we learned the whole sequence or whatever. We're doing it as a group, and and Tim just like, all right, guys, who wants to do it by themselves in front of the whole group? And so like. I raised my hand, like Evan raised his hands, a bunch of people did. He looked around the room, everybody that raised their hand, and he goes, okay, I just wanted to see who'd raise their hand, <laughs> and didn't make anyone do it in front of the whole group. Like, he does, they do mind, mind game pressure game. situation things like that, just to see where your head's at. going to step up. That was one of the, that was, I'd never seen anyone do that at that point in the audition. I was like, that's really smart. Well, Tim's also really smart. <laughs> he's like flipping houses now, isn't he? Know. Does he's he even just, teach teach anywhere? He's just doing smart things. X when he's a smart person. <laughs> that's 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 fair. That's I a love fair way to put it. But yeah, auditions in that 2012 season, we we pretty much knew like we were either gonna go eight or we were either gonna go nine because we had so many snare vets or ten because we had so many people who were really good show up to audition. And it was unfortunate because there were a handful of people that showed up. That if it had been a different year, where we didn't have seven vets, they might have made it. I can think of two or three people that that would have had a really good shot probably any other year than that season. I think that year we could have had two 
seven or eight man snare lines out of that audition talent that would have been that could have competed at a world level probably there was that many people it was like at least 14 to 15 people deep yep we like they really cut four or five players. people that that otherwise like i said would have probably been in that snare line they cut a kid that season. we both know that marched like three years of drum corps he had marched blue stars I was worried that because the three new guys we ended up with were Andy Alfred, uh, Dick, Richard E. Thorne, and um, Frankie Frankie Cummins. There's no G in his name, right? Or is it Cummings? Yeah. Whatever. Frankie. Frankie. Uh, Frank the Tank. And all three of them are better than I am and were at the time, too. So They like, all just got off tour. They all just marched. I didn't march that 2011 summer. I just saved money and worked and stuff and... Didn't I chose to do indoor in 2011 instead of March again that summer? But so there were thoughts in my head at one point where I was like, they've cut a vet before from this group, and if they do that, they might. You know what I mean? Like if it's, I remember you sent a text message out to the group, and you were like, you asked all the vets, do you want to go nine or ten? And I said, I I specifically said nine, unless it means cutting a vet, because I knew that might have been me if. If, uh, if that was the case. So I said nine, but if we're going to cut a vet to do it, ten. Because I didn't want any of us seven that did it last year to not be in it if we wanted to be in it that year. Yeah. So I don't. I never found out what everybody else... I'm pretty sure most everybody else said ten or something along the same lines because nobody wanted any of us... Almost everyone year. said ten. I remember that text sending it out. I think there was like one person that said nine. But we ended up going ten because we just had the, we had the numbers. We had the people. So yep. And it worked out. It was great a great snare line so yeah that's kind of i don't know auditions are a fun time it's it's stressful for people auditioning but it's fun for the vets too because you know there's no like stress or weight on really anything you know you're basically in the group unless like it's a, a weird circumstance or unless you were just bad which has happened yeah there have been people that have not been great all season and they come back and the staff is just like we, we're not going to take it again. That yeah. doesn't happen very often, though, at all. I think more often than not, like, when a vet gets cut, it's not because of, like, a playing thing. It's, like, some other issue, like... Personality or... Personality, like, you have just been, like, a terrible member or, like, you owe us a lot of money. <laughs> money can be... A, especially with indoor. Especially with indoor, money can be a big thing. The indoor audition is, like, way more organized, though, though now, I feel like, just in general, like, Gorbs are made way more organized. I know Rhythm X is by far more organized Rhythm X got way more organized as soon as a man by the name of Mike Scott aged out of the front ensemble in 2012 and became like the head administrator. He's like the CEO now or something, but he just by, yeah, I think organizes everything. In. That per, that dude saved that ensemble. It is there's no doubt in my mind that that ensemble probably wouldn't exist anymore if Mike Scott had, if those if the staff members hadn't had the foresight to say. We need a really organized person that can handle all this admin stuff. Hey, Mike, you live in Dayton. Andrew Markworth saved it in 2012 and got us over the hump, and then Mike just took over and, and like just... organized everything so well. And like, they have like the X Academy, and they have all these connections with stuff. And he does the stuff for blue coats and back and forth, and just it's been really, really positive for the for them for that organization. I just thought of something I didn't say earlier. We'll say it now. Have a good pair of sticks. Have a good pair of sticks. Oh, yeah. I Every single, all three indoor auditions <laughs> I've been at, every drum corps audition I've been at, at some point, the snare tech or the caption head or somebody 
comes into the snare room, and when they, they have people play stuff down the line individually, if you're like an exercise phrase or a phrase of music or whatever, have a good pair of sticks. Because it, it never fails that at some point there's some young kid, or even not a young kid, a college kid sometimes, that just hasn't marched anywhere yet, playing with a god-awful, hollow, probably partially broken pair of sticks. And the caption header tech will have them play something, and it sounds just awful. And he comes up and picks the sticks up and goes, oh, God. He goes, guys, you have to set yourself up for success by having yeah. a good implement. Like, you're not going to show up to a trumpet audition with a beat-up, rusty, terrible trumpet. You know? It's the same thing. And if you don't know how to pick a good pair of sticks, the higher the pitch when you tap it on the side of your head yeah. is pretty much a good default. It can vary a little bit. That's usually my, like... That's my indicator. My indicator. If it's if it's higher pitched, it's because the wood is a little bit denser. It's going to have better rebound. Now, that's not always true, but I'd say nine times out of ten. Yeah. Just pick the pair of sticks up. Tap it on the side of your head. If it's high, if it's a high pitch, that stick, you're, you're probably in the ballpark. Yeah. It's going to rebound better for you. <laughs> of a decent pair of sticks. But That's just a little tidbit that just came to me. I, I feel like no, I that's have good to... Advice. Public service announcement. Have a good pair of sticks. I have that happen with my high school kids. Like, I'll come up and, like, oh, yeah. like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? And I'll, like, have their, I'll grab their sticks from them to, like, play. And I'm like, oh, oh no wonder why. these sound terrible and they feel awful. <laughs> so, but, and, and to us at this point, I'm sure I played with my fair share of bad sticks just because I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't have any chops, didn't have any know how. So I didn't know that I, I just thought I was a bad, weak player, you know? So it's, it's a little bit of, you get better at it the more you play and the better and stronger you get as a player. But just by default, high-pitched, you're good to go, typically. Yep. So I guess that's kind of like our audition rundown. Like, don't be afraid to get in there, throw down, drum, be confident. Don't be overly aggressive towards trying to hang out with everyone. Yeah, just do your thing. Learn your stuff. Because if you're good, the vets will gravitate towards you. Yeah. They'll notice when they're not on a drum and they're on pads letting everybody else get on a drum. They're looking around the room, watching everybody play when that happens. Yeah, I was doing like reconnaissance, like while I'm auditioning, <laughs> like I'm sitting here looking around, like, all right, who can drum? Like, who's who's good? All right. Yeah. Yep. So, all right. Well, hopefully, we were supposed to have a friend of ours, uh, center quad player Andrew Kane, on for the seventh episode, but he's been teaching DCA for a few weeks. Yeah, he's but been working with this weekend too. Is is uh is their championships right? That I think it was September last night, second, third, whatever weekend. So hopefully, because he lives in Kentucky, he was a center quad for the cadets. Hopefully, we'll get him to sit down with us in a week or two here for the eighth episode and kind of get a, give us a window into what that summer was like. Um, yeah, I'm sure he's got some interesting stories and uh, some insight. Yeah, that man. most people don't you won't really get unless you're in his position. So make sure, as always, to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash agedoutpodcast. Look us up on Instagram, just agedoutpodcast, no spaces. We will see everybody in a few weeks. All right, peace out, guys.